And good afternoon. He's Ramon Foster, 11-year starting guard for the Pittsburgh Steelers. All 11 of those in Pittsburgh. And one destination. One destination. He's a one-jersey guy. I ain't got many hanging up around my house either. Just one, DK. That's all that's necessary, I felt like. You know, you do the right things. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports here in downtown Pittsburgh. Jay Miller down there wishes everyone a happy Thursday. And uh, so does this guy over here. I do, man. I got a question for you. I'm listening. To get this show started today. Or you want to ding the bell first? Which one is it? Uh, let's ding the bell because, you know, I get kind of long-winded at times. <laughs> I've heard. I've heard. <laughs> let's go. I have I have a way of asking this. What's that? That's going to come across exactly as I intend, meaning as respectful as possible. I was just, before we got on, I was doing a, a hit with Sirius XM's uh, NHL Network Radio. We were talking hockey. We were talking about the changes that might be coming to the Penguins. And the gentleman, the host from Canada, was asking me about Sidney Crosby's future and if he could ever see Sid playing for another team. And, I mean, you know what my answer was to that. Yeah, that's a heck no. <laughs> that's, a, that's a heck no. So as I look at you, I'm sitting there, and I do that intro every day about 11 years, starting guard. The first question that I have is how much pride you take in that because that is rare air in professional sports in the salary cap era. Ah, you put me on the spot. You know I I am. I did not prepare you for this. (laughs) You did not. I'm really curious about this because there are guys – I mean, Hall of Fame players, they'll end up with a – a Seahawks jersey or a Falcons jersey on their wall, you know, even if they don't want it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're 100% correct, man. There's a sense of pride in it uh, for me personally, coming from where I come from as an undrafted free agent to stake my claim in Pittsburgh history. That's essentially what it kind of turned into, especially being an undrafted guy, planning the offensive line oh, where that's a lot yes. of prideful. You know, like it's a, it's a lot of pride in that. Uh, to be able to sustain in a place like Pittsburgh or any, let's, let's go any place. Let's go San Francisco too. You know, like that type of stuff where you can start and end your career. Um, I think it, it, it holds a little different weight. Only thing that separates you is probably um, the guys that won championships. You know, like saying you're a stiller for life and not just because I played there for four years, but for double digit years, that does hit me a little bit different. Uh, I'm okay to say we, when I talk about the Steelers, because I am a part of that. Uh, that history is always going to be there. I didn't give my service to anyone else. That's why it's always got to have balance between my day job and what I did to get me to my day job. You know what I'm saying, DK? I've always somewhat held that high. And it, that appreciation came even higher um, in retirement or talking to other friends who were searching for other teams or having those same friends that I played in the NFL with say, you don't understand how lucky you are to be playing for one organization and not just any organization, that organization. That's why I hold it a little bit close and near and dear to me when it comes down to us talking about the Steelers and what's good for the Steelers and putting feelings aside because I I feel like a position that I was in, um, I learned that in that city with that team, with that coach and GM and ownership, if you're good enough to play and stay there, you're good anywhere. And that does resonate whenever 
um, I go on the road now to these NFL cities and I run into people. Having that ability to be very familiar with uh, Ryan Baldingers of the world and other people that I've run into that do the same stuff that I do. They know me because I was in Pittsburgh and you guys had that line. That's yeah, yeah, what yeah. they, you guys You're had You're identified that line. with the collective all yeah. the time. I hear that all the time. Yes. Because look, nobody's going to pretend that they came to the football game and watched the left guard all day. Exactly. No, okay. you're, you're, but you're they can line. respect the overall effort. They can respect that Ben left with a clean Jersey. 100%. And that's what it somewhat turns into DK. I try to remove feelings when we evaluate the game, right? But when it comes to me, like being proud of being at a one place, yeah, I, I definitely. And truthfully, I know guys say this in contract years and stuff like that, but I couldn't have imagined me being anywhere else. I just couldn't have. It's, it's now, weird, DK. I can't either. But here's what I've got. You what ready? You got? Yeah. Let's say that I was to write, and I'm not doing this because I hate writing long form. Let's say that I was to write the definitive Ramon Foster article, biography, whatever it is, okay? Or anybody were to do mm -hmm. this. The first thing that I would do, I've never said this to you before. The first thing that I would do is I would commission the Elias Sports Bureau to tell me the number of undrafted players who played a minimum of a decade with the same team. Ooh. Okay, yeah. think about that. That yeah. cannot be a long list. Secondly, and this is the part that I was going to say that, that I'm saying this respectfully, and that did not have a Hall of Fame career. Yeah. You wouldn't call yourself a Hall of Famer. Right, okay? right. right. Okay. I know what being, Okay, yeah. So in other words, let's say, uh, well, Brock Purdy's not a perfect example because he was the last guy drafted, but he was almost undrafted. But let's say that, San Francisco didn't take Purdy, and Purdy ends up being undrafted, and he still ends up being Brock Purdy. And let's say that he goes on to win two or three Super Bowls, goes into the Hall of Fame or whatever. That's a little bit more of an understandable path to yeah. have an 11-year career with the same team. Yeah. Okay? And, and specifically at that position, too. And at that position that has so much wear and tear and injuries and, and there's, you know... Uh, I, I just I think there's this is one of those things where if you're if you're in my spot, you're a writer and you're researching, you're going to be finding stuff where you go, whoa, seriously, <laughs> there's like four guys who ever did this. Uh, that that is fascinating. I've never even um, I can never tell even thought you've never about thought that. about it. Yeah, I never have thought about it. I've thought about undrafted guys doing double digit seasons like that has happened. James Harrison. Boom. We got one already. Right. Steve McClendon, James didn't boom, stay with one, one team. I know. But uh, I'm saying we're speaking about staying with one team. Uh, that right there is fascinating. I don't know what that number is. I see Mike in Texas put up Tony Romo. Anybody else I am drawing a blank on that played and started. Double-digit seasons. As undrafted? As undrafted. Romo it's so, not with the same organization. Yeah, it's not going to be a long list. Now, I don't – like, there are undrafted guys, obviously, in the Hall of Fame. Uh, like just very recently, very recently, we saw Donnie Shell get added. Uh, I don't think Mr. Shell played 11 years in the league. I don't know that. Uh, that's a little bit of a different position that he was, you know, he was manning out there at safety. Uh, but it's it's not a long list. Mark wants us to write the book. Look at that. <laughs> there it is. Uh, Donnie Shell got 13, if I'm not mistaken. Who did? 
uh, Donnie Shell got 13 years. 13. Were they all with Pittsburgh? Yes. Uh, they were all in Pittsburgh. Yes, it was. <laughs> Me, Donnie Shell. Okay, you see you where pro- we're going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nobody in recent history is like that. Yeah, and this it, is, I'm not just saying this to pump your tires here, but to me, in so many ways, it's more impressive. Like, I felt you were deserving of a Pro Bowl in that one season. Okay. Yeah. You didn't get it. Season. Yeah. You didn't yeah. get it. But even that can be kind of a claim to fame. In other words, you were so consistent over such a long period of time without ever having like some great, big, gigantic pop through the roof type season. Do you follow I... me? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's one of the better examples. I feel like if research would bear this out, th- this is what I'm getting at here. This I just, is cool I had stuff. this. Go I, ahead, I, go I, ahead. I, I'm sure you're liking it. Yeah, it's just, I, it, keep going. It's funny how I took the, the Sidney Crosby thing and attached to this because increasingly in sports, you just don't even see guys stay with one team. Uh, you, you, is ahead. the pride in that? real moan i'm not talking about yours now i mean in general the guys say man i don't want to go somewhere else in my situation i think so because here's the thing too guys who are undrafted guys that do start to bounce around they end up getting bounced out too they usually in for the most part when they start to move around like that unless you're defensive player of the year like james harrison turned himself into right Mm -hmm. unless you're one of those types of guys when you originally get cut you go to other teams and then you're usually out of the league at that point. You might have one or two more other trips. Yes, Antonio Gates is another one a, situation. So we got best three. tight ends who ever lived. Yeah. I think uh, somebody said a second ago, Julio Garcia said Justin Tucker as it stands right now as a specialist. We got four. We said players. He's a football player. DK. He is a football player. We, we got four with one organization right now. We'll see how the end of his career goes, right? Willie Parker was not double-digit years. Uh, and Willie also went to another team also. He did. So that that number, DK, may actually be lower than you said. But here's the thing when it comes down to it. The ability for guys like myself who come from that, that lower-ranking, undrafted world have to be in a position that they understand their roles, understand their money, and understand what consistency means. You got to be able to bring something to the table when it comes down to what your valuation is. When it comes down, especially in the early phases, because here's the thing. As great as James Harrison was, it took people, what, three, four, five trips around the sun to figure out what he was as a player yeah. because you're so expendable as an undrafted guy. You know, and, and that's where the pride in me takes off of a lot of um, the, the pride that I have takes off even more in these type of situations because every year they're looking to replace the next you have guy. To over, you have to overcome a label. And a it's label. A lot, it's it's yes. a lot of the yeah. It's 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 a lot of the conversations that we're having in general about this football team right now is you have to overcome a label. James Harrison had to. I don't know. Like you said, how many times he had to bang his forehead against the cement for them to say, "Hey, this dude is different." Okay, yeah. he's he's jumping over people and he's like two hundred and eighty pounds and he's murdering them when he lands. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So it's it's unique. I see somebody just wrote a comment a second ago. Michael Parks, man, very, 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 yeah. very, very. But here we go. We speak about talent and how hard it is to justify guys belonging, right? Michael Parks right down the types that us. James was different. Yeah, they didn't think so in the beginning. And, and you know where I'm ahead to. This league is all about how quick you can progress and get better. Yeah, right, DK. Like, James had to get cut 
without having a first round attachment to him to absolutely overprove himself. And and that's why I always I've, I've removed my feelings a lot when it comes down to saying guys can or guys can't. If you can't, we just got to call it that. That's why we have a draft and free agency for right, DK. But that first round title sometimes get thrown around and people want to save guys often. Baker Mayfield has been saved. Right, because of a first round tag that he has on him. Yes. Justin Fields will be saved when it comes down to a second, I mean, to a first round tag being thrown on him. James Harrison, Michael Parks, to your point about James being different, I don't know if he had to reach a level of just being ticked the heck off to where you saw that difference in him. But in the beginning stages of James Harrison's career, they didn't give him the, the, the opportunities that you see and we have giving grace to others that they probably don't deserve. And I'm not going at our guy, but here's the thing about it. If we can be patient for a guy like James Harrison to say he was different, James got really, he took off in about what? His professional career, year three or four? Three, three. Year three, right? Where is that same grace for a guy like Dan Moore? Oh, you're bringing Dan Moore into it. He, here's, I'm just throwing it out no, no, there. No, you're right. You're right, you, though. You're right. We pick and choose who we give grace for in this game, and, and who gets you know who gets the actual opportunities, not just the perceived opportunities, but who actually gets to go out there and take snaps. And what happened with Depot was he goes out there and he makes mega impact plays when he's out there to the point where you go. What in the heck? Do you suppose that if we put this guy out there all the time, he would keep doing that? Which kind of leads, and boy, am I not comparing these players, so don't take it that way at all. <laughs> but it kind of leads into a Nick Herbig thing where you go, I mean, the kid gets on the field three times a game, and one of those is a strip sack or a fumble or or something. Yeah. He he's, he's like magic when he's out there, which is why I keep saying just get him on the field. Figure the rest out later. And, and so <clears throat> my guy, my, Matt Wilcox, bring up a undrafted, completely opposite of a first round pick. That is correct. That is 100% true. And, and let me tell you what I take from your, your, your comment right there, though, is this, though, Matt. What happens when the first rounder bombs out? Right. Is that different then? You know, or when they or when they become pros. They're just professionals at that point because we've seen first rounders get kicked out of Pittsburgh after their four years is up because we owe you this because of the money. If it wasn't for the money in those certain situations, the first rounder and the undrafted guy is the exact same person. They are. I told you, my first year. You know who says that all the time. Well, tell us who. Your head coach. Yes, he does. Yes, and he that's does. why I was going to take you there, too. <laughs> Just to bring highlight into the business of what the NFL is, is why, you know, uh, my guy Matt said that about um, undrafted is complete opposite. Here's the thing. They're complete opposite for one reason and one reason only. Maybe two. Projectability of a first rounder, Right. I project you're supposed to be this because your numbers on our measuring board says he jumps this, he runs this, he projects this, he weighs this, he looked like that guy. They do have those templates that you put guys in. Projection and the money. And let me tell you this, and I had to learn it super early, DK, and I, I felt slighted, as you could tell, being an undrafted, which kept that chip on my shoulder. But here's the thing. We were having a meeting. There was uh, my 09 rookie season. We had that meeting, and I've told this before. 
and we go in there and I had outplayed a draft pick and I made the team outright and coach in front of Eric, coach Tomlin in front of everybody told this one particular guy, Ramon outplayed you and made this squad. The only reason we can't cut you is because we gave you this amount of money. That's when it was like, oh, oh. Imagine that being the conversation, DK. Yeah, I, so, I actually can't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so when you say undrafted, it's complete opposite of first round. It's only one or two reasons. Projections and the money aspect of it. When you become a pro, it's what have you done for me lately? What can you do for me moving forward? And that's that's always super unique. So I, I appreciate you bringing that conversation up. I didn't even know you was going to do that, TK. No, I, I feel uh, like I, I I actually want to commission somebody to do this research. I don't know where anybody would start. Do they uh, even have that? Why? Why? Where are they it's, tracking it's, it? It has to, that has to be something that's done by Elias because they have a database where they can type in a whole bunch of circumstances, and then the list just goes. Brrr, like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if somebody went, if I asked somebody over on South Water Street to do that, it would take them weeks. Yeah. You know, yeah, even if it, even if it was just for Steelers, you'd have a hard time coming. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe somebody here can help us out. I, I think it'd be worthwhile. I think there's a, there's something to be said for this. When we come back. This is such a great. I, hold up. I see a good comment I hear from Rongism Go that's really good. Yeah. It goes, when the first round is a bus, it's worse. People remember. They do remember the first round bus. Undrafted bus are just forgotten quickly. Oh, they yeah. are. Hey, they, they are. You were never there. I, I can't contest it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know what that is. But I've seen those high picks, not even just first rounders, but I've seen those high picks. And I'll be real with y'all. I like to think I'm a savage about this type of stuff. I somewhat chuckle and laugh, though. I'll be real. Because you had everything laid out in front of you, and the circumstances suggest that you should be successful. Because mm -hmm. either you don't have it here, or you just don't have the work ethic. I laugh at him, DK, because it's sad. But I have zero sympathy for anybody that's given a platform and don't run with it. That's just me. When we come back... The only comment to yeah. the only segment that actually matters. And that's Hey Mo. At DK Pittsburgh Sports, we take pride in coverage that connects our city's fans to their favorite teams. Now that connection's stronger than ever. Introducing our all-new state-of-the-art app. Find expert inside reporting and original podcasts. Check live box scores. Track the latest stats. Chat it up with our community of thousands of fans, all in one place. The new app from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Coverage that connects. And welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show starring Moan. That is I. <laughs> <laughs> we have some very good questions lined up here. And we're going to actually get right into these. You ready? Yeah, 100%. Let's do it. I like this one here from F32. Gets us going with some meat here on the bone. Hey, Moen, any thoughts on Tennessee center, uh, as in Tennessee Titans center, Aaron Brewer, who was drafted as a guard, being utilized under Arthur Smith as a coordinator? If I'm not mistaken, undrafted Aaron Brewer, by the way. I think out of North Texas. Uh, I think the same school as uh, Mr. Joe Green. Joe Green. Mm -hmm. 
Mr. Joe Gray. Uh, I like Brewer. I'll be honest. It took me a while to understand and get around to what he is. He is undersized. I think Brewer might be 6'2 on a heavy day, 295 or something like that. He's tough as heck. Here's the thing. If you're going to sign a guy like Aaron Brewer, you need to have a right and a left guard that can secure him. He does. He will be a matchup. Uh, he will be a mixed match for a lot of teams. They will try to bully him. Outsize him, yeah. I, I absolutely try to outsize him. I'll say this. The last two years, he's been there for every single game. Again, availability is the biggest thing. I think he's strong enough. I think he's quick enough. I think he's athletic enough to play the position, but he needs some strong interior guys to surround him. That's one of the main conversations I'm having down here in Nashville if they re-sign him in Nashville. Pie Guy says, hey, Bone, what are the biggest holes on the Steelers coming up? The most defective position. Most I, think we kinda, I think we kind of did this one yesterday. Someone did this one. <laughs> I would say D-tackle. No, inside linebacker, D-tackle. It's always corner. inside linebacker. Let's just take the next one then because that's yeah. always the case. A D-tackle, probably just because. Uh, how, how long do you have with Larry O? Uh, Louder Milk had to come what fell to the wayside. DeMarvin y'all, we saw what he kind of turned into this year. That D-line. I love the outside rushers. You love Nick Herbick, right? You love him and what you can get out of him. Your three rushers, you got him. Inside linebacker, D-tackle, D-in. D-in, not a stand-up guy. D-in or D-tackle and corner. Those are my hot spots. You know what? Still, if I had to pick just one, because I think you can – I as I said yesterday, I think you can – replace inside linebackers hopefully you get roberts back hopefully holcomb is healthy and you go and get yourself like one monster at that position you get that from the outside i still i feel like there's one wide receiver missing here okay it's it's deontay and george are so different and you know what i'm saying i just there's just there's one more that you can put into that mix I feel you on that. And they're not going to ha- – it's not an Allen Robinson who's going to get cut. It's not Miles Boykin. It's not Calvin Austin, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Okay? The one more. One more. To me, I'm, I'm, here's my hope for Calvin Austin real quick, too, um, that he finds a real strong niche on special teams. Kickoff return, punt return. I'm hoping that's something for him. Got to bust that, one. That ticks off. He yes. knows it, too. He knows, he knows it. it. Perfect. Okay. That makes he, sense for he, me. He'll he'll acknowledge he's got to bust it. Okay. In, in order to make your name in that specific profession, there's only one answer, and that's to get to the house. And you know, you know, we've seen him break big runs in preseason and everything, and mm-hmm. everyone gets super stoked and whatever. Preseason is not this. They're not game planning for you specifically or your team specifically. Uh, Dan West says, Hey Moan, what does the future look like for Deontay Johnson? Uh if Mason Rudolph leaves, does he want out? Come on. He doesn't seem as happy. No, this has nothing to do with quarterbacks. I, I like this just for this. What does his future look like? He's under contract. He he's can contract. bicker and complain and try to get traded if he doesn't like the situation. Here's the other thing of it, too. This is where we were last year mm-hmm. when we were speaking about um, Kenny Pickett kind of, you know, putting his stake in the ground. You've seen Deontay champion Mason Rudolph as of late. Either you become a better pro and make yourself better and take that as a little chip on your shoulder, be like, well, watch me do work. I've seen guys in this position before to where they feel slighted, Antonio Brown, because they were addressing Emmanuel Sanders, and he says, screw it. I'm going to go the heck off. If Kenny, if, if Mason ain't there and Kenny's your guy, that's on Kenny 
to make Deontay happy. And he can try to go away from him if he wants to and throw to other guys. That only hurts him even more. So I actually like what Deontay said. I Deont- like the fact that he was in his corner. Deontay is going to be 28 years old uh, in July. So he, I mean, in wide receiver years, you're getting there. Okay. You're, you're, I mean, you, as soon as you hit the three Oh, I don't care who you are as we're seeing with Allen Robinson and so forth as they pass through, you're near the end, mm-hmm. especially when you rely on the super crazy quick twitch muscles and being able to outdo everybody. If we even noticed Antonio Brown's age and Antonio even better route runner than Deontay. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna notice it, in Deontay. So his options aren't gonna be all that great. He's not in any kind of position to go to the Steelers and say, "Give me an extension." He's just not. I, I again, I'm gonna say again. I think Merrill Hodge says something about you're not supposed to say that. I actually love the fact that Deontay said that because you know why? He played under a quarterback that didn't you, that that didn't shy away from sliding or saying stuff in the public space. Did he not? Seven said stuff all the time. And you know what? You either answer that call or you get left on the back burner. And that's how I feel about what Kenny has in front of him. Why y'all feeling sorry for people again? There we go again with that, DK. I have nothing to say on quarterbacks today. Just nothing. All right, let's go. I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the day off, quarterbacks. <laughs> okay. Pittsburgh Hornets says, do you move Mason Cole to another position next season? And would he earn a starting spot on another spot on the line at another position? Well, you'd be asking him, because he's only played guard, you'd be asking him to beat out James Daniels, who's making $8 million a year, or Isaac Selmalu, who's making $8 million a year. Which one do you want to send to the sideline? <laughs> uh, that's a tough decision, baby. You can not have, you can never have enough offensive linemen. That's just where I'm at with you. Uh, here's the thing, though, too. I've seen this situation play out. Uh, somebody said earlier, I said, we can't draft a f- uh, first-round center. I'm a couple Pittsburgh Hornets. Question DK with uh, absolute finest right here, if you're okay with this one. Absolute finest goes, hey, Moan, do you do Jackson Powers Johnson? Do you think Jackson Powers Johnson is good enough to take a 20? I know oh. you said not to draft a center in the first unless they are. I never said never draft a center in the first. I said it has been the right position to draft a center in first. You got to remember, I played with a guy that was drafted 16th. I think 16 on out, if you think he's your dude, you take him. So here's how I feel about Jackson Powers Johnson. If it's between him and Mason Cole and Jackson Powers Johnson come in and take over and you see the projectability, as we just talked about, of how good he can be, you know what I saw? I saw Justin Hartwig get cut because Pounce came in in the yeah, same year. Yeah, right. A good, good football player. You remember that, DK? I do. I do. Yeah, I think he ended up going to Washington after that or the Titans. He went somewhere after that, but we're trying to get better. I told I like winning more than I like feelings. See, you know, when you say you're going to do something and then every, everybody comes in after that and says, yeah, don't do that. Doesn't it kind of bother you? Like this guy, this guy's been, he's like, he's one of these like Kenny obsessives. Okay. Look, I can go either way with this, people. All right? (laughs) Don't you be crap today, says Mark the Pit fan. I couldn't care less. You're not not in a position to tell either of us what to talk about on the show. Now all I want to do is talk about the quarterbacks. That's how the boss is over here. As soon as I say something, she goes and does the polar opposite. Just to stick it in my face. 
Who wants to talk about quarterbacks? We'll do that for the final 15 minutes of the show. We can do that, right? <laughs> I, I've got no problem with that, DK. At I know all, you don't. Brother. I know Ugh. you don't. It's it's just people are so sensitive about this. And, it, and it's like, wait a second. Are you a Kenny person or are you a Mason person? Lord. How about just saying you just want the best guy to start? Yeah, that's that's where we at. How is that a, a controversial like I got, I got a couple of things today. Just like regular emails and whatever, mm-hmm. we're just like, you know, this is starting to become really difficult to watch this show. Like, what? Awesome, good. Because we're saying that there's one quarterback who's been better than the other, and by the way, that's demonstrably, provably true. Yeah. Here's the and other show's thing. Hard to watch. We we go Touch off of what grass, you man. Asked us for the most part, I got one. I, I'm gonna take you off that one real quick, DK. Kenneth Moses asks, how many targets did Calvin Austin III have this year? He had 30 targets, 17 receptions. That's actually not pretty bad. I mean, there were long stretches, like a five, six game stretch, if memory serves, where they didn't even acknowledge that he existed. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of that was the the Matt Canada period, but it, it carried over too. Yeah. And I don't know if that was a him thing or that was a them thing. Uh, I do know that it sure was nice to see. Uh, well, here we're doing quarterbacks. It sure was nice to see a quarterback <laughs> who was able to find him for that touchdown in a playoff game in Buffalo. Okay, now I did confirm with both Mason and with 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 CA three that CA three was the primary target on that pass, which means it wasn't a, a scanning of the field. But that also means that yeah, they, they they trusted the quarterback to recognize him, find him, and get a touchdown in a playoff game. Yeah, facts. Uh, Jay Smith comes on with something right. I think it's pretty unique, man. He goes, "Hey, Mon, can we move? Can we please just move on from Mason Cole? Nice guy, great teammate, horrible center. Either way, however you think of it, here's the thing: you either getting better, or you getting worse. So if that's how you feel and that's how they see it, and your option is there to get better." That's the other thing. You got to make sure a guy like him is there. You never know what this quarterback draft is going to look like as far as people moving up and stuff like that. They're projecting about four guys before the Steelers pick at quarterback, so that can actually push your board back. You never know who's going to be there. If picking a quarterback causes you so much distress, take it from my man James II. That's fair. You know, it's just it's just a, it, we're talking about quarterbacks on a football show. This is this isn't like we're bringing up politics or something where you would go, oh, I can't watch this show anymore. But then look at look at Mike in Texas. Ah, no QB talk. My He's kid been, handle it. My kid He's handle it. He's sarcastic. I know he has to be sarcastic. You think so? Right or you think, ah, yeah, Mike, or you think he's just one of these? obsessives nah he's being sarcastic today I, i'm gonna give mike that one man here's a good one dk the, the one you just went right there man underneath shane shane goes hey dk hey moan what are the best positions uh are used for first round picks it usually goes quarterback guy that gets after the quarterback meaning the dn corner for the top five guys isn't that usually how it goes for the top <laughs> top ten I would throw a bunch of wide receivers in there. And, and Yeah, and I think that you still see – I think you pretty much nailed them there, but you, you'll still see the occasional guy from the secondary pop into that mix. Uh, what's crazy, though, who's fallen out of that top 10 that used to dominate it? Which position? Running, running back. Running back. Running back. And now it's like, even unless you're Saquon Barkley – 
coming out of Penn State who just looked like he was going to be okay. And, yep. and, and with respect to Saquon, obviously he's suffered the major knee injury early on. Uh, you just don't see those guys. There's there's not a superstar running back coming out of college where you say that the guy Bush. absolutely has to be up there because he'll just carry your offense for the next five, six, seven years. You know one that was supposed to be it, and it's going to be fascinating at some point if this question gets asked, DK. But B. John Robinson was that guy as of late. He went number eight overall to Atlanta. Now, the question I will have for Arthur Smith is where was the production? And if you're selling us on this run game, where was it for B. John Robinson? Or was there a learning curve because he's a rookie? But he was, and that's since Saquon, though. How many years has that been? Five years? It's been a while, yeah. It was pre-pandemic, pre like yeah. Yeah, there we go, man, as far as uh, the use of B. John Robinson, who's supposed to be that type of guy. We didn't get the, uh, a chance to see much of that this year from him. Quarterback is the most important position on the team, like it or not. That's fair. That's the reason we're going to talk about it if y'all ask about it. It's that simple. Plus, free agency hasn't happened yet. And if Mason isn't in Pittsburgh and Kenny's our guy, guess what we're going to do? Figure out a way to how to build around Kenny. That's the next conversation right there is how much do you trust Kenny to lead this way? Big Tiny, Big Tiny says, hey, Moan, does Deontay Johnson fit with Arthur Smith's offense due to his lack of blocking? For anybody who doesn't know, if you're in an Arthur Smith offense and you're not blocking, I don't care who you are, where you're lined up, or what your size is, you will not play. You will not get onto the football field. You will not be part of his starting offense because now you're another hole that he has to account for and that his teammates have to account for. Let me say this about Deontay. I know Deontay is a willing blocker. I've seen him do it. Often. You have. I have seen this. Now, here's the other thing, too. And people ask that question. Somebody asked earlier, man, um, do players get late? Are plays, players lazy in the NFL? The answer is yes. Here's the other thing, too. Do players know who or uh, who will, who would garner their respect also? Y'all got to think. We talked on this show daily, weekly, monthly about how we felt about Matt Canada. If you and me not being in the locker room can see what we see out of Matt Canada, how you think the guys inside the building felt oh, or saw him? Geez. So when I tell you guys that I, I and I hadn't talked to Chooks on this, but when you talk about what happened to the first couple of years of Chooks with Munch, myself, and Pounce and Dave and Al versus the last year, I think players and I'm not putting words in their mouth. I think players know who they can get over on, who they need to respect and hold at a higher re respect than other coaches. So Arthur Smith coming in as a former head coach and a guy that's had successful play calling in the NFL, your level of respect raises. It's the same reason we on this show and this crowd and still a nation have been asking for Mike Munchak to be your old line coach. Okay, you have bosses, maybe that you like, but you don't respect. You do your job just good enough. Same thing happens inside of locker rooms, too. Expectations can be met when I respect you sometimes. A lot of times uh, throughout the season, but especially later in each of the past two seasons, Najee Harris has made these public remarks about accountability and needing to hold this guy to this standard and this guy. Who do you think he's talking about when he says these things? He's a running back. Who is 
more invested in having people block. Hunting back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his his living depends on it. Mm-hmm. And I can promise you that for every time that he or Jalen Warren, you know, especially ran outside the line, okay, when you're hitting one edge or the other and you have a wide receiver just going, uh, that's not something. Tell tell him, Moan. That's not something that would be received particularly well in a locker room setting. Absolutely not. Okay, like there there has to be the accountability accountability of it. Also, by the way, Phantom brings up that uh, Bijan had fourteen hundred rushing yards. He did not have fourteen hundred rushing yards. He had nine hundred seventy six rushing yards. He had four hundred eighty seven receptions, receiving, uh, rece- yeah. receiving yards. So. A lot of production out of the guy, um, but we'll see how that bodes well in Pittsburgh with the use of the running back, especially with the the, the uh, thunder and lightning that you have in the two guys. Yeah, this is uh, Eric says uh, we need a blocker for those. Is Allen Allen Robinson getting cut? Allen Robinson has to get cut. I, uh, his yeah. cap hit is eleven million dollars. Is it really? Yeah, he... that is the the most. I say this with respect. That is the most no-brainer cut of all time. That's bad, and that'll be the start of league <clears throat> year also. Miles Boykin can seriously block. Miles Boykin is a blocking wide receiver. Uh, is he someone – yeah, this is what Jake's saying right here. He can, he, he can do what Robinson did, right? He's not Allen – he doesn't have Allen Robinson's pedigree as a wide receiver, obviously, but you know, do you remember the last time the ball was thrown to Boykin and he went, you know? I'm not yeah. talking about Robinson. I just mean in general. He just Boykin makes his place. See, and here's the other thing too. Um, we have to see. I just looked up a guy's size. We we have to see also what kind of personnel that Arthur Smith would be seeking. My times covering him here with the Titans, he wanted big body, tall wide receivers. You know who is another one of their uh, draft picks, DK, that he ended up having? Hmm. Drake London. You know okay. how big Drake London is. He's 6'4", about 215. So, again, there will, I think, if given that that turnover of the type of guys that Arthur Smith wants, he wants – he like guys to block. Yeah, and, and one thing to remember about anybody who's hired in a position of prominence, whether that's at the very top or that's a coordinator, is there's only so many moves personnel-wise that they can make. Yeah. You're inheriting the team that came before you. To an extent, you're inheriting the team from a system that came before you. So if Arthur Smith only has three, four possible positions where he can go and get his type of guys, he's going to get his type of guys. He is. I just looked up the uh, heights of skill players as far as their size. 6'1", 6'4", 6'2". Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's a style of ball. He has a type of player that fits a style of ball that's physical and blocks. But also, again, he's going to take the deep shots. He's going to have the comebacks. He's going to have all of those things. Play action plays. Absolute finest says, would Boykin play less special teams if he got more offensive snaps? Not if Danny Smith has anything to do with it. This is his guy. Dude, this is dude, man. I mean, Miles Killebrew was the one who got all the headlines this year for the kick blocks. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to trust me that Boykin is the guy when it comes to kick coverage. Teams scheme against him. He and I joke about it once a week after the game. He's like, how many did Cleveland put on you this week? <laughs> uh, and he'll go, he'll go, 
two sometimes or whatever. Come on, Miles. I thought I saw a three. And then he knows that other people are listening to us. And he'll go, there might have been a three in there. <laughs> hey, congrats to him, man, by the way. That's crushing it right there, DK. That I, is crushing I love it. it. I love the pride that, that he takes into it. That's what Jake's bringing up here. He covers punts, man. Uh, I, I would love to see this guy make it back here. Our last question for the day, because I got to get up to the hockey game. Moan's got hey, some hey. duties as well. Pittsburgh Hornets says, hey, Moan, who, which player stands to improve the most under the Arthur Smith style system? Like, which which guy do you think might benefit? And I'm going to get started here while you think about that, because I'm going to go to the opposite extreme. Which player would be hurt the most? in the Arthur Smith system. I'm going to say that it'll be a CA3 because he's so undersized. I also would throw in Connor Hayward because he does not fit the big mega blocking tight end bill. Okay. Right. You're going to you're going to see a lot of Darnell Washington, I know, right? You're going to see a lot of Darnell Washington, I think more than ever. And Along you're going to with Pat and you're going to see Pat Fryermuth challenged to do exactly what he did over those final three, four weeks when he rose up as much as anybody. People inside that building will tell you, especially at the line of scrimmage. But who would benefit, Moan? You know what? I'm going to push back on the Connor Hayward thing because Arthur Smith offenses usually have a fullback. We oh, they use, they, does, does he fit that bill, though? Because he he's fits. sitting in the tight end room, I want you to know. That's the thing. You work with that personnel that you have until you don't have to anymore. And Connor Hayward has shown to be uh, a willing blocker. Uh, and I think his brother would tell him, hey, if you want to stay in this league, you need to figure You're some stuff out. You're yeah, doing it here. You're doing it here. Yeah, 100%. Uh, the guy I see to benefit the most two dudes. I know you said one, you but I can't give one. You know who sits in the fullback room, by the way? Who? who? <laughs> it's like it's just Connor Hayward would just go. I mean, like, like isolated confinement. It really would be at this point. Go ahead. Uh, my, my two dudes, and I, I, I don't think you have one without the other. Pat Fryermuth, as you just said, he loves the tight ends. He does. Jonu Smith is one of those dudes that came oh, from yeah. under Arthur Smith, and he knew how to utilize him and get him open in space. The other one, George Pickens. He likes to play action deep passes. A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Khalif Raymond, these guys are under Arthur Smith and his tenure here in Nashville. He needs that go-down-the-field type of guy. And if that's going to be George Pickens, he will find a way to get the ball to George. I see those two guys, Pat, and I also see George. Now, here's the thing. You ready for me? You need a quarterback that can stand in there and deliver. Though. Hey, <laughs> I'm not watching this show anymore. <laughs> Stop saying controversial things that make me squeamish. Yeah. No. No, DK, but I, I see Pat Fryer moves uh, probably first and, and then George Pickens second benefiting. And here's the other thing, too. You have a guy that probably understands the flow of calling oh. plays. Oh, Julio. Yes, he can block. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he loves blocking. We, If you want to have some fun as it relates to Pickens and his blocking, go back to his zero catches, zero targets game in Baltimore in which his teammates were celebrating him in the locker room afterward. That wasn't just because he didn't pout. That was because he did his job, and he contributed not only to the running backs being able to do what they wanted against the Ravens, but also to Deontay being able to get sprung by a certain unnamed quarterback for a 62-yard <laughs> touchdown. 
Uh, George was a big part of that. His teammates appreciated that. They let him hear it yeah. afterward in that room at MNT Bank Stadium. By really, the way, really good stuff. I somewhat saw with no one you know. Muth, Pat Frymuth, I feel like has been disenfranchised. Yes. There has to be a year. And you know, the cynics are going to oh. come back and say, well, you know, he keeps getting hurt and whatever else here. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we can all point to each individual injury and say, well, that was because of this strange play, not because of a lack of conditioning or whatever. But what's the best availability? Oh, wait. What's Availabil the best ability? Availability. <laughs> I totally blew my own <laughs> joke there. The answer. Uh, I, I, I do want to see more from Pat. Pat. We this is another show. <laughs> it is, uh, yeah. It is. In fact, show. if you want, we can do it tomorrow. I wouldn't mind doing a. Want me write it down? Episode. Let's do that. Let's I, I, do that. Yep. Yep. Because yep. I see all of a sudden, as soon as we mention his name, there's Pat Fryermuth. Uh, he is he is a very real topic because with this coordinator and this offense, yep, it's not optional for him to be a star. He has to be that player we saw in Cincinnati. You yep. know, with the nine catches for whatever that was, 135 yards or more. I'm just going off the top of my head there. But he, yes, he's good enough to be a 120 yard a game type yes. of guy. Yes. I ain't going to say a game. He might have 120. He might no, have 60. It. He might have 140. I can see him doing that. I got it written down. There it down. is. It's Friday is Pat Day. It is Mooth Day, according to the citizens. Mm -hmm. and, and they're going to win this one here. No, Hanover Fist wants to get Muth on the show. I, I can give that one a try. You can get that one a try. I think I'd love I can give to that tell one a try. I, I mean, I, he follows me. I follow him. I mean, I'll let you do the dirty work. Well, I ain't got no he, problem with he that. Stopped here, he stopped in here a few weeks ago and said hello. Just like walked in. He said so, he also said some nice things about the show, too. He did. Yeah, you remember that. I do remember that. <laughs> You're like an elephant, man. When we, I, I we're going to come back. We're going to come back right after this little outro. Absolutely. A big shout out today, by the way, to Carrie Russell for gifting one membership to the show. Shut up, I mention this only because we value everybody equally, and this was the only one today. Love that, though. Absolutely. Isn't it great that, that Carrie gets her own day? You know what that also means, too? What's that mean? Nobody tried to hit on Rochelle today. No, no, no. No, <laughs> no we love Rochelle for her mind. <laughs> yeah, we do. But shout out to Car <laughs> Carrie. Appreciate you for that. More than really really appreciate do. Taking care. Today is the sponsored by Carrie Russell episode of the Ramon Foster Show. I uh, got you on that opening today, you though. Did, huh? You did. You did get me on that one. But it, it gives a great breakdown into... The life of undrafted, and of course, we have this this first round quarterback conversation all the time, and just the retread of those guys. When you get in the league, you're really the same person. I know, like you're expected to be good, but like you're in Pittsburgh, we treat you like the same person. Uh, we got another one too. Man, I'm about to reach out to this dude myself, Jalen Warren. I have to get him. I've seen that come up a couple times. Uh, these two dudes will be good. I got to start tapping into those younger dudes, man. By the way, Jalen Jalen does a show. He wouldn't do a show. I'm saying Jalen does a show. He, he has a podcast. Does a show. This is not the most talkative individual. But then you know what? You know who else used to sit in that same part of the room where he sits? Who I thought was the most quiet, nondescript, whatever was Rosie Nix until you had him on. 
Rosie remember that? Rosie, did Rosie, that. like Rosie wouldn't stop. Rosie, man, the show's over. No. <laughs> he had a real good show. Yeah, we can mm -hmm. probably uh you want me to start tapping into him? I can do that. That's Dan's right. supposed to come on too. I'm gonna I'm gonna inbox him right now. Hey, fella, a year later, man, trying to see if we can revisit this. Uh you coming onto the podcast. Let me see. Nothing wrong says. with that. Nothing wrong with that. Dan Moore Jr. Mm -hmm. Hey, create chat. No, it's uh Everybody's got a podcast now, but I would have put Jalen uh, really far back on that list. Just thinking about what his personality is like, he he'll talk, he'll say it like it is. He's honest, yeah. But it's not super easy getting stuff out of him. But then it was way harder with Rosie. Like Rosie, you couldn't get more than three words at a time. You don't know the Rosie I know. I very <laughs> clearly. We all got to see it thanks to you. Yeah. If I had him, if I had him on and I'm interviewing him, I would have the show would have been over in about two and a half minutes. Man, I uh, I hit him up. Uh, Dan Moore's on the line right there, so we'll see what we get from that. If, on a closing note today, James lost his father today uh, oh, and, had to, and, and came onto the show here for a distraction. We're happy to have you. And sorry for your loss, my man. Absolutely, James. Uh, sorry for your loss, my brethren. We saw that a lot of members of the community uh, wished you the same uh, through the through the course of the episode. Um, we're happy to be anybody's distraction, except for the quarterback whiners. Yeah, hopefully we made you laugh somewhat, man. Uh, <laughs> but I, I've been there, James. All I ever tell you, man, is keep the good memories alive. And um, the body may not be here, but the uh, but but their their legacy forever stays. Uh, enjoy your father, man. Don't smile, smile. We'll get together tomorrow, everybody, for an all Pat Fryermuth episode, as promised. All right. Oh, yes, indeed. All right.